much love. There you see her, sitting there across the way. She don't got a lot to say, but there's something about her. And you don't know why, but you're dying to try. You want to kiss the girl. Yeah, yeah, it's episode 33 of season three, Ravage Love. Hi, Julie. Sha-la-la-la-la-la, don't be shy. Hello, Yeah, we're good. What is our theme this week? Um, mer, mer folks, mer folks of the sea persuasion. Yes, we are doing mermaids this week on the show, and I am super excited because I have finally exited my slump and have found a book. That, yes, that was really good. Julie, you have arrived. Oh my god, the last like four or five weeks have been brutal. This week. Yeah. Saved by gay mermaids. Um, I don't, you know, you just like misgendered them, though. Did I, though? Are they mermaids? They're mermaids, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. They're ladies. They're gay ladies. Oh, they're gay lady mermaids. (gasps) Yes! Gay lady mermaids! Okay. All right. I'm really excited about that. Like, what? Do you, are, were you a Little Mermaid kid? Like, was were you into the? So Little this is the thing. I hate to admit it, but yeah, did love Little Mermaid. Uh, I still have the soundtrack on cassette. Nice. I um, a few years ago, I should. I regret it now. I'm actually. I'm usually pretty good for not giving stuff away. Like, I'm usually pretty good at knowing. Like, I'll want this later. Like, I love to purge, but I'm usually pretty good. But I did get rid of all of my. Uh, Disney VHSs with like the puffy cases you know yeah and now all that shit's on Disney Plus which I don't have so I missed it but as deeply deeply problematic as The Little Mermaid is Mm -hmm. fuck I love it yeah it's my favorite I I think it's hands down the best Disney soundtrack agree disagree no you know what no I'm gonna disagree only because um the Frozen 2 soundtrack um, is what they have to force people listen to to have like a therapeutic breakthrough. Because oh. you just listen to it and you're like, I see myself. <laughs> you're just like, I can't even think of some of the songs on the Frozen 2 soundtrack without crying. So that's and fair. It, but I mean, they have Indina Menzel on it. Like, yeah. And yeah. basically, you're right. In terms of a classic Disney like musical experience, you're absolutely correct. Basically, the Little Mermaid soundtrack is a reggae album. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. Like, mm-hmm. fuck me up with some poor unfortunate souls. Yeah. Under the Sea, Kiss the Girl, but also Les Poissons. I was going to read that today. <sighs> I'm not kidding. I have to tell, like, so have to tell you the story. So tell me. I went to a French Catholic school. And one of the things that my school did was they made an album. I don't know if you any other i'm sure other schools did this but our school made like a music album oh boy and um because all the kids were hyped up on it they made a song about my school um based on that there were two songs so i'm going to tell you the first one so the song was called like assez joseph on a tout because i went to saint joseph school so they would say assez joseph on a rien on a même pas ça de bain quand faut aller chier on le fait dans nos casiers (laughs) 
So for you anglophones, it just means at our school, we have nothing. We don't even have bathrooms. So we shit in our lockers. That was the song. <laughs> the other song um, was a version of Les Poissons. And I, I wish I could remember beat for beat what the words were, but it was like, that's all I could think of. Um, and, but it was, it was pretty much more like we shit in our lockers. Like that was kind of where it ended. Um, and uh, I hope I remember by the end of the episode, but that song is near and dear to me, but I chose not to read <laughs> this. It's not very romantic. And also I tried to respect you as a vegan. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. I appreciate that. I, yeah, I did love Little Mermaid a whole lot. And I do think that I realized from a fairly young age how problematic it was. But um, I still, it's got a special place in my heart. It really does. Yeah. And yeah, part of your world, like, oh my God, every single song is a fucking banger on that album. It really is. And um, then when I grew up and actually learned stories of mermaids mm -hmm. and like how they're all just about drowning sailors and shit, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. I can fuck with this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, everything about mermaids appeals to me, although I don't understand the kind of arrested development of a lot of millennial Gen Z women who are like, I'm a mermaid. And like you can take mermaid classes and shit where you like wear a fin and you swim around a pool. Like I'm not that level. I'm right. more into the mythology of mermaids. That's kind yeah. of my speed. I like I like mythology. Like give me a give me a siren, give me a banshee, give me a gorgon. Like anything that kills a man, I'm into. But I love so um manatees are my favorite animal, if I had to pick. And I love that sailors in like they're dying not enough vitamins state of minds thought that manatees were mermaids because i'm just like y'all love them thick bitches like i respect that <laughs> i respect it gentle sea cow um <laughs> i was just thinking though like okay we need we cannot forget how good the fucking tarzan soundtrack is that's phil oh, collins oh good i mean i also think right? the lion king because it was elton lion john king. Lion yeah, King's there beautiful. were there were some Elton John bangers, but you're right. Yeah, Phil Collins really did yeah. fucking put some bangers on that Tarzan and soundtrack. Like, and fuck yeah, right? Like we didn't, he didn't have to go that hard for us, <laughs> but, but he we did. Were children, it was like, we, we didn't appreciate Phil Collins. No, but we no. do now. And then also like, so Little Mermaid was my favorite movie until Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast was my favorite oh. movie. And, you know, there was, like, the Celine Dion. I was going to say, is it because Celine Dion had a song on the soundtrack? Is that what No, because Angela Lansbury. Oh. <laughs> Fuck. I loved, I loved Angela Lansbury in a I mean, big murder way, she wrote. Yeah. Yeah. She's, but she's not an ally, so I'm kind of like, <laughs> yeah, grandma. Her politics um, are not ideal at this point. But, yeah, yeah. Beauty and the Beast never. It was, it was nice. Kind of a forgettable soundtrack, though. There's, like, a few songs from it, but, like. um. Be our guest. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Be our guest. And this, but like, even Aladdin, I could tell you like three oh, or four songs yeah. from Aladdin. I could tell you like one or two from Beauty and oh, the Beast. My cousin Rachel, who listens to this show, um, and I had full choreography to many of the Aladdin songs um, that I bet if like in a pinch, we could still pull it out. <laughs> I mean, it's muscle memory at this point. It Strictly. really is. 
Because it's like even like Pocahontas, garbage soundtrack. Beautiful. But the songs are beautiful in that. Some of them, but like most of us only remember Color of the Wind. I remember the song where like. Just around the river bend. That's my other. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's like one where it's like Grandmother Willow's giving her a fucking vision. I love it. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, oh, Grandmother Willow, this is a real deadly vision. And then she like goes and fucks it up for them. I love it. But then Pocahontas too. It's like, it's bad. So you know what? I just love, you know what? Disney movies. But I I do want to say, and I realize I always hype up other podcasts when nobody is hyping us up. Um, (laughs) But on the podcast Revisionist History, they did a two-parter on The Little Mermaid. And not only did they do a two-parter, they had somebody on there who was literally like studied it. And because it was like her favorite film, but like she recognizes how problematic it is. So they rewrite The Little Mermaid and Julie. They get Jodie Foster to play Ariel. They get, I'm pretty sure, Glenn Close to play (sighs) Ursula. They have... um, Oh my god. Uh ba 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 ba. Uh fuck, what's his name? Give me an association. Like, guy married to Kristen What's her face? Uh Veronica Mars. What's that guy's name? Oh, Dak Shepard. Yes. I always confuse him with Gary Oldman. I, I, <laughs> I, I do. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. Wow. Um, Would not yes, have guessed that. But he's okay. in it. Okay. I he's love in this. it. And Is like, he- um, yeah it's beautiful it's so good and like so at the end of this two-part episode after they've like broken down what the what why it's problematic and they rewrite it they play the end of the movie with these characters and they re they redo the ending and it's beautiful and happy and lovely and i cannot recommend it enough yeah that is a wonderful little tidbit and it made me think about the last piece of little mermaid type trivia that we need to talk about before we talk about our books this week Mm -hmm. which is how Prince Eric looks like Prime Minister Trudeau. <laughs> and 100%. When, and when Trudeau got elected, the amount of memes about how, aka Prince Eric, um, yeah, so that's forever who I think of now. And, um, Agreed. yeah, yeah, big fan, big fan. And yeah. I'm a big fan of what I read this week, and I'm elated that I have a happy book to talk about this week. There was Yay. no sexual violence. There was no dubious consent. Oh, it was wonderful. Can I tell you about what I read this week? Oh, I'm I'm so ready. I'm. You know what? I want to be a part of your world. Oh tell my God, you can be a part of my world together. We can talk about The Secret of Mermaid Cove by Megan Durr. I think is how you say it. D-E-R-R. Duh. Me- Duh. Murder. <laughs> um, Megan loves to read and write queer romance. She is a queer woman. Um, and she's written quite a few books. And it appears from just a quick cursory look to be pretty diverse in terms of like some fantasy, some like contemporary stuff. So a real mix of stuff. The writing was really strong. Um, it wasn't very long. I think it was like 60 pages. My Kobo says it's about an hour or so to read. Um, it has a 3.5 on Goodreads. And she has a lot of reviews on Goodreads. So she's very prolific, very loved. Um, and my book was published in 2019. So it's a short book. A lot happens. 
sometimes it's a bit confusing, so I'm tried to sort of parse it down um, as much as possible. So I'm going to tell you about Sophia, okay? Okay. Sophia was caught making out with another woman at an event. <gasps> oh my god. Now this is way back in the day. We're talking like Regency times, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, so people were not uh, on board with that. And she knew that she was going to have to eventually marry a man. Um, was hoping to delay it longer. But, um, you know, she loves women. She loves being a bit of a tomboy. And she loves to play the harp. That is like the one source of joy she has. So she becomes the shame of the town. Because she is queer. And that was not du jour. And then all of a sudden she's saved from shame by receiving a proposal from Lord Everett Dobson, Earl of Mermaid Cove. And he's beautiful. He's the most eligible bachelor in the area. So her family is delighted, but she's a bit like, me? Like, why me? She's very pretty and she's very polite and very smart. So she has a lot going for her, but because she's basically like the pariah of the town, she's kind of skeptical of like, why is this guy doing this? So she moves to Mermaid Cove and she's instantly struck by how beautiful it is. And, but she's still trying to figure out like, why why is this guy into me? Well, at one of these fancy sort of introductory balls that they host to sort of introduce her as his fiance, they're kind of wandering through the castle and she's like, oh my God, it's like a sandcastle. It's so beautiful. And he kind of stealthily, which is what I love about stories that are like queer content set back in the day. I just like, I'm obsessed with how people would flag and find each other and do all that. Right. Like, I just love that. So he kind of stealthily explains to her that, Oh, this Island came into the possession of my family because it belonged to my great, great grandfather who actually won it in a bet and then proceeded to live out his life with his childhood best friend where they never got married and just live together on this island. And then generations later, people inherited it. So, and he kind of gives her a bit of a wink, like, I got you. And she's like, oh, you own this because of gay men. So you don't, you understand that like being gay is not the worst. That's what it is. So that's what she thinks is like, it all kind of clicks for her. And she's like, you know, I'm not into men, but I can make it work. He's super, super nice. He's very sweet and I, you know, will give him kids and I will make a life for myself. There are worse things in this world. So at this ball, she kind of sits beside this old biddy named Aunt Millie. And Aunt Millie's like a bit of a curmudgeon, aka everything I want to be in this world. She's just like an old cantankerous lady who has no, like, has no patience for bullshit. And she starts telling her all this folklore because she's like, oh, why is it called Island of the Mermaids? Like, what, what's the Mermaid Cove? Like, why is it called that? And she's like, oh, well, there's all this folklore about the mermaids in the area and they're related to fairies and mermaids need to be respected and feared because they, if they want something, they will not settle. And they've actually cursed our family because oh. the first Dobson fell madly in love with someone that he shouldn't have. And he ended up rejecting that love, even though it was his true love, to marry someone for status. And that jilted lover cursed his bloodline to always love what they will never be able to have until someone is willing to risk every single thing for that love. And only then will the curse be broken. And she then gets just hammered with this old biddy, just like having a time. 
goes back up to her room her husband or husband to be sort of politely leaves her to her room and then she's kind of just wasted just wandering around the room looks outside she's like oh my god i see some, someone's drowning there's someone drowning at the water so she gathers her stuff runs outside screaming like oh my god oh my god what's happening and it's a motherfucking mermaid what? it's a mermaid and she is a smoke show and Sophia's thinking I'm drunk like there's no way I'm staring at a fucking mermaid there's no way I'm drunk this is a woman who's just naked in the water for some reason and then the only part that just made me laugh and it's because I'm a fucking loser of a child so okay she sees this mermaid realizes like it's this beautiful woman who has kind of pointy teeth which is like a bit intense but otherwise like extremely beautiful and the mermaid like comes puts her hand up on her face and then starts kissing her and having this like passionate makeout session. And Sophia's just like, her head is spinning. She's like, what is happening? Like, I'm not making out with a mermaid. And like, people could see us. This is wild. And then the mermaid like pulls away from the kiss. And then the way she describes it is that she just, she goes back into the water. But the way she describes it of like tossing and rolling into the water, all I could picture is like, you know how people do like a roll in a kayak? <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know how they go like Wee! that's what i pictured this mermaid doing on the beach just like peace and like rolling off back into the ocean um and for some reason that visual just fucking literally made me lol so she kind of like kayaks her way back into the water and sophia's like i'm fucking drunk i can't get this drunk ever again i'm gonna make a fool out of myself but the next morning she wakes up and she's covered in sand and so she's like, fuck, I, this actually might have happened. So she kind of asks the old biddy about it the next day, but not saying I saw a mermaid, but like, what's, what's going on with that? Um, and she's like, yeah, they're, you know, don't make fun. I think they're real. And Sophia's like, no, no, I, I think it's fascinating. And she's like, yeah, you know, you don't fuck with mermaids, you know, because they take what they want, but they can only walk if they trade their bodies with a mortal. So they can have anything they want in this world except the ability to walk. And I was like, Ariel taught me that. Um, <laughs> so she's out for a stroll with her aunt, with the old aunt and the and her man. And all of a sudden, this beautiful young woman runs towards them and starts gesticulating at her husband. So she's like mute and deaf. And the husband's like, oh my God, where, where, where? And she's like, how the fuck does he know what this woman's saying? And then they chase after this woman to the beach where they find a wounded mermaid who's been washed up on shore she's been stabbed with a piece of iron so apparently in folklore iron stabbed through a mermaid is how you kill them what and i did not know this um so sophia looks and she's like wait a minute this mermaid in the water is definitely the mermaid i made out with yesterday and she looks eerily similar to this young woman who came running up to us so what the fuck is going on and that's when she discovers that one, there are mermaid hunters. So there mm. are like pirates that go around and try to kill mermaids to steal their blood, thinking it'll make them immortal. So it's sort of this like myth. Um, but two, her husband says, I got to go. I got to chase these pirates away. So I got to, I got to leave. I got to leave for a couple weeks. And she is like stuck taking care of this mermaid and this woman who seems really into her husband and he seems really into her. And so finally she's like, can someone tell me what the fuck is going on? And the aunt's like, look, I'm a mermaid. I was a mermaid. It's why I know so much about mermaids. I know what's up. Um, 
this woman, she's in love with your man. I'm just going to tell you she's in love with your man. But your man can't be with her unless he makes a sacrifice to do something. And then that's when she realizes, holy fuck, this guy's marrying me so he can sacrifice me to the ocean so that he can be with his mermaid friend. Oh my god. And she's like, fuck, I knew it. I knew it was too good to be true. I knew it. And she's like, yeah, I mean, it's perfect. I'm the pariah of my town. No one will give a shit. If you say I ran off, people will believe you because they think I'm a piece of shit. So she now is like, well, I don't know what else to do. I can't run away. It's an island. I got nowhere to go. People know who I am. So I guess I might as well just stick around and wait for my inevitable fucking death when I get sent out to sea. And she starts, you know, while her husband is away, taking care of this harmed mermaid. And then they start vibing. Mm. start kissing a little bit start getting into each other um and then (laughs) then she her husband comes back and she confronts him and she discovers that her husband did not want to sacrifice her to the sea he wanted to set her free because mermaids are queer and it's okay to be queer if you're a mermaid. And he knew that she would never be happy with a man and that she could never live her life with a woman oh. on land. So he was like, I want to set you free and let you frolic with the mermaids. And she is like super touched and then realizing, oh my God, I, I'm actually like really into this particular mermaid. And the, that mermaid's like, yeah, no girl. Um, and so <sighs> they, um, they do it. They like they have to do this incantation where they basically like her and the mermaid they kiss, and then like she makes this ac- sacrifice of like sacrificing her life basically so that he could be with who she wants. So the curse is broken. She gets to frolic in the ocean with her saucy mermaid, and they just go blip, 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 and go off into the sea. The end. Aww. Yeah, Aww, it. it was really sweet. So. Yeah. In terms of spice, I'm only going to give it one out of five spicy sushi rolls because um, there was like some, a lot of yearning, which as we've discussed, Regency Mm. novels, especially queer ones, it's all about the yearning. I am yearning. I am yearning. Mm -hmm. So that part Mm -hmm. was very sweet. Um, And in terms of, so there's no genitalia descriptions. There was no anything of that. But in terms of what sex toy I would partner with it. Um, years ago, I don't know if they still do, but years ago they used to make rabbits where the like clip part was shaped like different things. Um, and one of them was a dolphin and that is, (gasps) yeah, that's what I'm thinking of for this one. So a rabbit with the little dolphin part. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I would give the secret of mermaid cove. So a delightful little story would absolutely read this author's work again uh, super well written, like no typos, no weird things. Um, it was very pleasant. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, well, that's lo- I'm I'm so glad. Thank <laughs> you. It has been a bit. I would have liked more spice because I always do, but truly delightful, delightful little romantic story about mermaids. The Secret of Mermaid Cove by Megan Durr. <laughs> uh, what did you read, Renee? Well, I too read a very queer romance. Yay! Um, mine were more men, um, oh. but also with a little twist. A little okay. twist. You know how I do. Okay. So Adrian, 
Oh, I should tell you. Sorry. Let me backtrack. Yeah, My I was book. like, what book did you read? <laughs> um, I will tell you when I can pull it up here. It was called Blood in the Water. Ooh, a supernatural Jesus. romance. Yeah. By two authors, Kate Hawthorne and E.M. Denning. E.M. Denning's from British Columbia. Uh, and I'm pretty sure Kate Hawthorne is from the States. Um, but they write just a lot of like queer stuff, um, M for M usually, and you know, sometimes I guess I think E.M. Denning sometimes does like some paranormal stuff, but it's typically just like modern gay romance um there is also a book called murder husbands though that i'm looking forward to reading um i hope it's murdering of husbands but i don't think it is we'll see Uh, so um so mine's modern day um we meet adrian and adrian is a merman um who lives the bottom of the ocean he's a prince and he's been struggling because he is in love with his best friend wade now I thought the problem here was that um, he was closeted. I thought, you know, like, oh, he can't come out of the closet. He's a prince. He can't be gay. But no, in fact, like like your story, they, they're all queer as hell. All the mermaids. The mermen. Yes. The, the merfolk um, are all queer as hell. So he tells Wade, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm in love with you. And Wade's like, no, brah. Like, I'm not here for this. Um, so he... Wade has come to get him to bring him back to his father, who's the king of the ocean, and not a spicy daddy like King Triton, just a shitty merman king. Um, okay, because like let's be real, King Triton is one of the spiciest daddies in the Disney universe. Uh, but I digress. So, um, so he gets there, and his brother uh, Hurley comes over, and he's like, "Wade, did you tell him?" And Wade's like, "Now's not a good time." It turns out Wade is in love with Hurley and Hurley's in love with Wade. And so Adrian's just like, oh my God, like I can't, can't believe I didn't see this. Like I can't believe it. So he's kind of hurt, but he's, you know, happy for his little brother. And he goes and he meets the king and the king's like, I have decided that you will be betrothed to Wade. And he's like, oh, I can't. No, no, that's not going to happen. And uh, his dad's like, fuck you. It's happening. So Adrian decides he's booking it. He's getting the fuck out of the ocean. Now, I guess if he, if you will it enough, you can grow legs in this universe as a mer, oh. as a mer person. And he's done it multiple times. He loves being where the people are, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he <laughs> decides he's gonna go do it. Now, the problem is that he can't be up there too long because he'll dry out and literally turn to dust and blow off in the wind. Um, so he has to be mindful about what he's doing. So he. Um, gets himself all ready to roll and he leaves the ocean and he has to fight his way to shore and he just makes it like he just barely makes it but there's a man on the beach and that man sees him struggling in the ocean and he goes and he grabs him but he's a little apprehensive because he does, he's kind of broody. He's kind of depressed all the time. He wouldn't typically go and like help a stranger, but he just felt drawn to him. Um, the reason he wouldn't typically go help a person is because Julie, he's a vampire. Oh yeah. And he's a vampire because his friend Sasha turned him into a vampire as he was dying. And one of the things that I liked about this book is that this character, he has, he killed himself. He was suicidal and he killed himself. And so his friend found him 
and turned him. But at the very beginning of the book, it like has that full disclosure that like this book contains somebody with undiagnosed depression and talks about suicide. So if you need help, like call this number. And I thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. Like I thought that was really, really great because, you know, we talk a lot about like how, you know, uh, dubious consent and stuff can be really triggering. And obviously like rape in books can be triggering, but like also, you know, cutting or, you know, eating disorders or depression, like all those things can be triggering. So I thought that was a really great way to handle it. So our vampire has come across Adrian and Adrian's just like, I need your help. I need to get out of here. And our vampire is like really not sure what to do, but he just feels like he has to help him. And then our mermaid asks him, what's your name? His name, Julie, is Chad. (laughs) Vampire Chad. (laughs) So Chad takes Adrian home and Adrian has no clothes. He has nothing. He's starving, like whatever. And Chad takes care of him. Um, the entire book is just that we find out, you know, that Adrian can really only stay on the surface for three days. He's hesitant to tell Chad about who he is. And Chad's hesitant to tell him about who he is. Um, we find out that mermaids are told like this really scary version of what vampires are. Um, so he wasn't sure he could trust him, but he does. And, um, Chad learns that he's actually a merman because Sasha comes home one day and is like, why is there a merman on my couch? And it's all blown open. Um, So she says, you know, you're going to turn to dust if you stay here. And he's like, well, this is what's going on in like back in my home world and I can't go back right now. So they're like, okay, well, let's give you three days and we'll figure it out. So in those three days, they just Chad and Adrian fall in love and you know chad goes out of his way to show adrian like how much he cares he takes him to like an observatory because adrian loves the stars and they read comic books together and they talk about you know their lives and stuff and then finally on day three like um adrian is like literally like so dehydrated he looks like that gross like worm old man from spongebob like he's just like yeah and so he's like i gotta get you back to the ocean But what Adrian didn't tell them is that the second he goes back in the ocean, the guards are going to sense that he's there and they're going to take him, which is what happens. He goes back in the water, his tail comes back, and the guards come and seize him and, like, threaten Chad. So they take um, Adrian back to, like, the kingdom and he's like, okay, my dad will be pissed, but, like, whatever. But um, Wade comes to see him and he's like, look, he's like, you know, I think we we smooth things over, but there are going to be some changes. Like, just be prepared. So the king has Adrian come in and says, um, you know, I have now made Hurley my heir and my next in line for the throne. And I have betrothed him to Wade. Um, and you're being disowned from our family because of how you behaved. And, uh, you know, so Adrian's obviously really upset about that. But he's he's being just really shitty to his dad because he's like, fuck you, right? And then dad's like, would you really like go live on land forever if you could? And he's like, fuck yeah, I would. And he's like, okay, well, if you can make it to the surface, you can stay there. So he turns him mortal and gives him legs at the bottom of the fucking ocean and is like, bye. And just like, <laughs> he has to like swim to the surface. So um, he just basically is like, you're dead. You're dead. Um, he may have committed a murder because <laughs> they're mer that's how they say it throughout the book um anyway they make it to the surface and 
before he left, you know, Adrian didn't want to go back and he's like, just turn me into a vampire. And Chad's like, I wouldn't wish that for like anybody. I don't want to do that to you. And he's like, no, I want you to. And he's like, no, you wouldn't understand. Um, and um, so he, they get Adrian to the surface. He's kind of mostly drowned. So Chad has no choice but to turn him. And uh, he does. And uh, then they live happily ever after. Yay! Yeah. And they just they just fucked like the whole time. <laughs> and Adrian was a virgin at the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. But because he's royalty, he was raised to be very dominant. So he was the kind of top in this situation, even though he was a virgin. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so Chad kind of had to show him the ropes. And they do it in a bathtub a lot because um adrian will just dehydrate other otherwise so they're just in a cold bath for a lot of it um they watch a vampire movie together which i thought was fun he feeds him lots of grocery store sushi um and he tries to teach him how to drive so they do a lot in three days uh including falling head over heels for each other oh yeah so i thought it might have like a like you're my mate kind of thing to it but it didn't it was just it was it was very like simple it was a really simple read it was spicy i'll give it that you know it was i was grateful that it wasn't a story where it was like then he semened all over him and he was in a curtain of semen and he (laughs) he was choking on on the semen like i was really grateful that wasn't the kind of queer uh love making in this story um it was just beautiful that's wonderful. So what's your spice factor? What toy? Okay, so I'm going to give it five out of five uh, spicy cocktail sauce. And Oh, okay. Yeah. And okay, so there's this um, dildo you can get um, that is a mermaid's tail, right? So like, so it kind of looks like a fist, like if you're going to fist yourself, mm-hmm. like, or some, you're going to fist somebody. So it's kind of that shape, but it's a tail and it has a little pearl just in the folds of the tail. And it's all these beautiful colors. Um, I found it on Etsy. (laughs) Etsy sells sex toys? Crazy sex toys, Julie. Wow. Crazy sex toys. Good to know. Yeah. I was disappointed that that he didn't have sex as a merman in Mm. this story. But they do mention that in this universe, mermen have ovipositors like the mothman so that yeah because they lay eggs and shit right yeah yeah so i was gonna there's lots of those on etsy as well but we already learned about those yes mothman episode yeah we don't need any more of that creepy shit what are you gonna read Mm. for us um so i'm just gonna read the part where um he's having to take adrian back to the ocean Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, here we go. Chad watched the water soak into Adrian's skin as he waded chest deep. He felt the hum of life return to Adrian's blood. His eyes blinked open, and instead of smiling, his eyes pooled with tears. I don't want to leave you. Adrian looked down. Chad followed his stare in time to see Adrian's legs knit together in a shimmering transformation of skin giving way to scales. It happened like a wave lapping at the shore, slow and gentle. 
It didn't appear to hurt Adrian, and it was one of the most spectacular sights Chad had ever seen. His tail was long and beautiful. It shimmered dark in the water, catching hints of light from the moon above them. Adrian shone until he practically glowed. Chad watched the way Adrian's tail effortlessly moved beneath the surface. The longer Adrian was in the water, the better he looked. How much pain had he put himself through the past few days to be with Chad? He couldn't imagine the agony Adrian had to be in. He'd suffered silently the whole time, and Chad had drunk from him, draining his precious reserves. Adrian had wanted it, begged for it. But the thought that he might have hurt Adrian stabbed him in the heart. This is your home, Adrian. Chad's clothing stuck to his body, but he didn't care. He watched agonizing as life poured itself back into his lover's drained and abused body. It doesn't have to be. It's not too late. Adrian clung to Chad. His hands, now strong and full of life again, clutched at Chad. He cradled Chad's face in his hands. It doesn't have to be like this. I can stay. You can keep me. We don't have to run out of time. Agony lanced through Chad. He couldn't keep Adrian. He'd been stupid to argue with him. You really want that? A life that's not a life? Eternal night? Adrian choked out a sob. Of course I want that. Ah, a life without you isn't a life at all. Adrian, I... Adrian wanted it. Death, eternity. With him. With Chad of all people. Chad who hadn't done a single thing to deserve someone as beautiful as Adrian. They'd known each other three days and Adrian was willing to throw his entire life away to be with Chad. How could he say no? How could he say yes? I love you, Chad. Adrian gripped him tighter and his heart rate climbed, spiking with a terror that Chad saw in his eyes. I love you. Chad gripped down to Adrian. I love you. <laughs> We're out of time. Adrian crashed their mouths together, gripping tight to Chad with both his arms. He kissed him furiously and Chad kissed him back, pouring his desperation into the kiss. The sun wasn't coming up yet. Soon, but not yet. They still had time. Chad didn't know what Adrian had meant until Adrian was yanked out of his grasp and pulled under the water. Adrian! Chad shouted and dove in after him. He saw two other mer grapple with Adrian. They wrestled his hands behind him and shackled him in heavy chains. Chad kicked his legs and tried to swim closer. He shouted Adrian's name under the water and the other mer turned. One pointed a trident at him, but Chad approached anyway. Chad, no, please! Don't hurt him, Adrian screamed and thrashed in the grip of one of the myrrh. Murder. Yeah. Adrian is all I could think of. Um, yeah. The, uh, the reason I read that was because all of their sex scenes are very vampire centric. Uh -huh. And I was like, this isn't, you know what? Vampires have their chance already. This is not about vampires. This is about murder. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well done. Thank you so much. Incredible. Um, wow. That's that. Thank you for taking us on that journey. I'm going to, I don't have accents, but now I feel like I maybe should. I didn't, I didn't have an accent. What are you talking about? Of course you didn't. You were speaking in a true Chad dialect. Sometimes I'm just like possessed by the characters in a story. Um, <laughs> and I think that's what happened here. Fair. Fair, fair, yeah. fair. I'm excited though. What do you, what you got? Are you going to do, ooh, do like Amish mermaid? Oh, I don't even remember how I did the Amish. What have you done? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're a mermaid, no. <laughs> okay, so, reminder, <laughs> Sophia is mm -hmm. um, the woman, the queer woman, the human being, and the mermaid is Muriel. 
<gasps> Muriel. Muriel. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, my God. My favorite movie is Muriel's Wedding. Oh, um, lovely. Tony Clark for life. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So Sophia is trying to, is helping Muriel heal. But remember, Muriel is a mermaid, so she can't talk. So how they end up communicating will be explained to you right now. <clears throat> I cannot understand, though. I wish I did. How do you communicate in the sea? Surely it must be hard to see in the water. Muriel reached out and lightly gripped the sides of her head, tucking her forward tugging her forward and pressing their heads together. Sophia had no idea what she was trying to say, but Muriel smelled so nice she was having trouble remembering her question. Then they started kissing again. She didn't know, but she did not mind at all when Muriel tugged her up to sit in her lap. Her cheeks flushed at her indecorous behavior, but she could not make herself pull away again. You're very bold, even by my standards. (laughs) Smirking, Muriel dipped her head to place a teasing kiss to the top of Sophia's breasts. Sophia ran her fingers through Muriel's hair, enjoying the way it hung loose, tisking softly at the tangles the wind was already putting in it. Abandoning Muriel's hair, she trailed her fingers along her face, tracing the fine lines of her cheekbones, the well-shaped nose, and her pale, damp lips. So... Why are you here with me? She asked, not wanting to ask, but unable not to. Is this all part of the persuading me? Is this behavior common amongst mermaids? Muriel shook her head and sighed. She kissed Sophia's nose, then pushed her off her lap and went to the basket still set on the blanket in the middle of the gazebo. A moment later, she returned with a blank journal and a pen. Sophia scowled. You can write? Well, why haven't you done it before then? Not replying, Muriel simply bent over the journal and slowly wrote. When she finished, she handed it over to Sophia. My sister asked me to look after you should you choose to join me in the sea. Kissing you is not part of that arrangement. I do so because after 911 years, I know what I want when I see it. Mermaids love where they cho- mermaids love where they choose. It is only humans who seem to have developed limits on such things. I don't write because it's hard and it's slow and it's irritating. And in the sea, we speak with our minds. She read the words several times, then set the journal aside and looked at Muriel. Are you really 900 years old? Muriel nodded and took the journal back, writing out quickly. Married twice. A man the first time. He was killed by witches in a place far away from here. A woman. I know, right? A woman the second time. She left me to become a human, also in a place far away from here. Everyone but you seems to like land an awful lot, Sophia grimaced. What is all the fuss about? Shrugging, Muriel gestured with her hands, and although Sophia didn't actually get the specific meaning, she thought she understood. It's different and exciting? Muriel nodded and shrugged again, then wrote out, It's easier being a human. I certainly cannot fathom being 900. Your personal history? She shook her head. Would I really be suited to it? What if I go mad or something? Muriel smiled then, in a way that reminded Sophia of her grandmother. It was a smile of experience, reassuring, and annoying in equal measure. Sophia shook her head and rolled her eyes, but a smile tucked at her own mouth. What would I do as a mermaid? Muriel's eyes crinkled, and Sophia wished suddenly she could hear Muriel laugh. She bet it would be a lovely sound. The end. Well, not the oh, end, you're, but... you're terrible, Muriel. Love it. <laughs> also, though, like, because I had in my mind just this vision of her kayak rolling everywhere, <laughs> every time it was like, she went and grabbed the journal, and like, I just picture her like, flop, 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 going over <laughs> to it. <laughs> 
I kind of love that. (laughs) Right? It's it's not a bad image. Um, Yeah. So I enjoyed Mermaid Week. Had a time. Wondering if you want to share with the class what we're doing this week, Renee. Do you Mm, remember? You know, I would tell you if I had my planner in front of me, Julie. So maybe you'd be a doll. And tell Uh, the sign folks at home. We're doing some bodice ripping. Ooh, that's right. Yes. yes. Real bodice rippers. Not just like y'all than bodices. No, no, no. Like straight up the genre of bodice rippers. Hell's fucking yes. So you're not going to want to miss that. Oh, I'm excited. I have nothing picked out, but I'm going to find something spicy. I want nothing but fucking spice. I am going to find the spiciest goddamn book. That's my mission. It's been a bit, been a bit of a dry spell. So I'm going to find myself some spicy bodice rippers. So that's next week. But as always, friends, follow us on Instagram and Twitter so that you can see the covers of our books. And um, mine this week is is very pretty. It's just a nice little harp by the ocean. It's very pretty. Yeah. Mine's just like a real beefcake of a man. Um, (laughs) But looks nothing like the character in the story that is that's got to be one of my funniest like one of the funniest things of doing this podcast is when you see a man or like just people on the cover and then they're described in the book and it's like you clearly just took stock images of a beefy man and threw him (laughs) on the cover because he's very clearly blonde in the book but he's like a fucking dark-skinned brunette on the cover i oh i love how slapdash it can be do you know that um, somebody put BJ Novak into like stock photos? And so, yes! Yeah. So, if I were going to do that, I would just take pictures of BJ Novak <laughs> and make him my whoever, even if it was like my protagonist was a woman, it would be BJ Novak. I just love that he, like, that he acknowledged it like he came forward and said like yeah i know this is happening and i could fight them on it but i've decided to just lean into it and that just (laughs) cracks me up even more like that he's just like yeah whatever i'm like selling makeup and shit in like southeast asia whatever (laughs) it is what it is um i kind of love that so yeah that's a great idea if we ever um if we ever do our own let's make a commitment right now a verbal agreement a handshake Mm -hmm. over the airwaves that we will integrate some PJ Novak into it. 100%. 100%. 100%. We could we could just write one about BJ Novak. Oh, you BJ's. know, you know that there's all kinds of office fanfic. You just fucking know. Oh, it. 100%. But I mean, I want to be more specific. Fair. It's going to be BJ Novak themed. Perfect. BJ's on BJ's. BJ's on BJ's. BJ's from BJ, it. the entire BJ universe. <laughs> We could be they, our fans could be Novakians. Like I'm, there's a way to do this, and I'm I'm so excited to explore it with you. Likewise. Wow. All right. Well, see you this time next week for Bodice Rippers, bud. Hell yeah, you will. You want to sing us out? Sure do. <clears throat> Rabbit love, rubbish love. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the podcast was created by Karen McKnight. Special thanks to Press Start to Join for production assistance. For gaming and tech news, search Press Start to Join or on social media at PS the number two J Show. 
Connect with us online at Ravage Love on Instagram and by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.